If you've got your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Luke chapter 7. We'll be looking at what to me may be a familiar passage of Scripture. I hope it is. I just remind you, or encourage you again, regardless of how familiar a passage of Scripture is, don't let it be so familiar that you lose sight of what's being said there. Because that's easy, isn't it? You, you see, you, things can get so familiar to us, we don't notice the details. How many times have... Don't ask Robin how many times. I've, I've asked her sometimes, is that a new blouse? And she'll say, no, I've worn it before. And I, she, she may be so familiar that I don't notice the new blouse when she first wears it. It may be weeks later that I thir- first time I notice it. Have you ever had that happen similar, though, when you look at the Scriptures? And you read something and you've read the passage over and over and over and you're like, I never saw that there. Did somebody just put that there? Has that verse always been there? Because we, have, we don't notice it. Well, it's easy to do, isn't it? To become so familiar with it. But hopefully that won't be the case today. I hope that uh, we can see what we need to here. The title of the message is uh, Sinners Saving Faith. <clears throat> We're starting a, a new year. Now, this is the first Sunday of a new year. And it's going to be an exciting year, I would say. It's an election year, which means it's always going to be a lot of excitement. It's going to, we're going to see just things that you wouldn't believe that you would see. We're going to hear things that you wouldn't believe that people could look you in the eye and say, because the politicians are good oftentimes of saying things that are just slightly south of the truth and saying it with, with pure sincerity. And they look you right in the eye and that there's no compunction at all. And so we'll hear, we'll, it'll be an exciting year in many respects. But with the new year always comes the possibilities of, of fresh new experiences, don't it? And we can look forward to that. It comes with uh, fresh challenges, new things that are going to come at us that we've not seen before. We'll be faced with changes, especially as we get older, that things change. And things are, can be more challenging than they used to be. And, but along with a new year also comes the prospect of fresh hopes. And what we're looking at, what we're going to be looking at this morning, has nothing to do so much with a new year, but it has something to do with, with one particular person's hopes for something that she needs. And she's coming to Jesus to find what she needs. And so she's got this sense, just like we might have at the beginning of a new year, I'm going to go to, the, to Jesus, I need a Savior, and I'm going to find something there that I don't have. And so that look at it, as we look at this passage, think in those terms. It, it's, it's simply, uh, and we're going to be looking at an eventful day in the life of Jesus, the Savior, and an eventful day in the life of a woman who desperately sought salvation. And she knew that was the only place she could find it. And that's the same for any of us, isn't it? So that said, I'm going to start reading in Luke chapter 7, uh, verse 36. And and I'll read to the end of the chapter. It says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. That is Jesus. He desired that Jesus would come to his house. So we might call it a dinner party. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping, began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. 
Verse 41, there was a certain creditor, this is Jesus speaking, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed, owed 500 pence and the other 50. Now, pence, uh, that uh, essentially that's about a day's wage for a common laborer. So you've got two people here. One who owes about a month and a half worth of, of uh, debt to a person. The other person owes about a year and a half's worth of debt. Quite a difference, isn't it? And then look what he said in verse 42. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Neither one of them had anything they could pay toward the debt, whether it was a small debt or a large. They didn't, they didn't have any way to meet it. And so the debtor, he frankly forgave them both. And Jesus says, Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered. Simon is the, the Pharisee. Uh, he, he answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to, unto Simon, now, now note here, this is the woman who, is, who has uh, come up behind him. She's weeping. She's wiping the tears off Jesus' feet with her hair. He turns to look at her, but he's talking to Simon. Okay? He turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom is little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he, said, and he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. So now Jesus is not talking to Simon anymore. He's still looking at the woman. He's talking directly to her. Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Let's pray once more. Father, thank you for allowing us to come to your, this portion of the service. We look into your word. We ask you to speak to us from it. The Holy Spirit is the author of this, uh, these verses that we read. And Lord, we know they're accurate. And we pray that as we look at them, the Holy Spirit would open our hearts to see what we need to in these verses. Teach us the things that we need to see. And allow us to bless you, Father, because we, uh, we recognize in this, this uh, little story that Jesus told that we represent the person who owed so much, more than we could pay. And you, Father, are the debtor or the, the, uh, the person, the creditor, I suppose. You forgave us that debt so freely because we had nothing that we could do to pay our sin debt. And we thank you so much for that. So as we look into this passage today, teach us from it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the setting is, as we saw, Jesus was invited to have a meal with a Pharisee named Simon. Now the Pharisees, they listened to Jesus teach. They didn't always agree with him. They often argued with him. They saw themselves as being better than he was. They were, they were people who uh, were upright citizens in the eyes of the Jewish people. They learned the scriptures from the time they were very young. They memorized large portions of scripture, we're told. That's what scholars, uh, the folks who study those things tell us. And so they, could, they knew what the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures taught. They knew that when Jesus expounded the Old Testament scriptures that they were accurate, that he wasn't teaching anything wrong. And yet they didn't like it. Because people flocked to him and they didn't flock to the Pharisees no longer. And they didn't come to the scribes the way they used to. So Jesus, uh, this Pharisee he invited Jesus to have a meal with him for reasons unknown. We have no idea. This, the passage doesn't tell us why uh, this Pharisee invited him. It could be just pure curiosity. 
Yeah. This guy's been really popular for a while. I think I'll have him come over to dinner and, and I'll just see what he has to say. It could be that uh, he had an interest, a true, genuine interest in his teaching because he recognized a ring of truth in it. We're, we don't know for sure. It could be that he just wanted an opportunity to continue some previous argument that he'd been having with Jesus. Well, I get him in my house, he's on my turf, and I'll, I'll win the argument maybe this time. We don't know. Anything is speculation. But Jesus was invited there to have a meal with him, and while he was there, a woman came seeking Jesus. Now, why she came, the, script, the, the passage tells us very clearly. We don't know why Simon invited him there, but we know exactly why that woman wanted to see him. And so we're going to look at that. And the first thing that we're... We see in the passage that, that comes out pretty clear is the, the condition of this woman when she came to him. Now Luke is the author of uh, the gospel that uh, we're uh, reading here. And he said very clearly in verse 37, she, there was a woman in the city which was a sinner. And as, as Luke provides that, we see that it's just a narrative description. I don't think Luke is, is drawing any kind of judgment here. He's just saying he could easily have said there was a woman there. She was a brunette. And she, her feet were size seven, and she was about five feet six, and she was a sinner. It could have been all, all of that could have gone right along. It was, he's just giving, telling us something about this woman. Now, from the perspective of Simon the Pharisee, look at verse 39. He says, uh, in the middle of the verse, he says, This man, speaking of Jesus, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now, he's pointing out the same piece of information, but he's pointing it out. He, this, he is speaking this with pure disdain for this woman because she is a sinner. And she has come into my house, and she wasn't invited. And he should know this. She, he's letting her touch him. And no one should be touching a sinner of this caliber. So he, he's speaking out of pure judgment of one who doesn't have a right to judge, by the way. Now, what does Jesus have to say about this woman. Look in verse 47. He described her as one whose sins are many. So Jesus acknowledged her sin. He knew everything about her sin. And he's speaking, he's describing this woman, and it is uh, per perhaps in, in a sense of judgment, but he is speaking as one who has full authority to judge, doesn't he? Because he is the son of the living God. And who, so he is, he is acknowledging, yes, her sins are many. Some, we don't, the passage doesn't tell us, some have speculated that uh, the, the language here would almost be indicative of a woman who had been a, a prostitute. Her sins were many and repeated. And so she would have been vile in the, in the sight of a, of a Pharisee, certainly. But Jesus knew her sin, and yet he allowed her to come near to him. Isn't that good news for all of us? He knows our sins as well, and he allows us to come to him. He knows everything we've ever done. Uh, that is against the, the will of God. He knows everything that we haven't done, that we should have done, in accordance with the, the will of God. He knows all of that. And then he told the story of two creditors. One owed a, a, a small amount, relatively speaking, and one owed a, a very large amount. And he said both of them had nothing to pay. They couldn't pay, to, pay it at all. He just, and, and that really, doesn't it describe the plight of every sinner who has ever lived? We owe a debt to God for our sin and we can't pay that debt whether it's a small sin or a large sin because the word of God is very clear if we violate the law of God in one point we have violated the entire law of God that means if someone steals one little insignificant 
pack of chewing gum. He's violated the entire law of God. And he is desperately wicked at that point and deserving of eternal separation from God. That's what the Scriptures teach. And so Jesus is telling this story and, and he says this woman um, the, the, or the plight of every sinner is that we have been condemned in the sight of a holy God, haven't we? With nothing to pay. So that's Jesus' perception of this woman. So we, we see Luke calls her a sinner. The Pharisee, Simon, he calls her a sinner. Jesus says she's a woman whose sins are many. The woman herself, if we look at this passage, she recognized that she was a sinner as well. She realized that she had an awful debt of sin and she sought the only one who could remedy that. She came to Jesus as Savior. As, uh, and, and so I've titled the message, A Sinner's Saving Faith. She came to, to Christ to be saved. And just as a reminder, Jesus is still the only one who has the power to save. He, he's the only one who has the authority to save. He's the only one, uh, the Scripture says, His name is the only one that we can count on for salvation. We put our faith in Him. So that's the woman's condition. She's, it's clear. There's no argument at all. She's a sinner at this point. Now let's look at her faith. The first thing we see about her faith is she came to Jesus. Now, uh, there's not anything particularly in the passage that describes to us why she came to Jesus. We're just told that uh, she came to him. She heard that he was uh, uh, having uh, a meal with Simon the Pharisee, so she came into his house. It seems odd to us, doesn't it, that someone would just wander into your house if you're having a dinner party? I was reading about that this week, and it was apparently it wasn't that unusual. People would have a dinner party, and and people would sit stand around outside trying to hear the conversation and hear what was going on. Especially if it was some um, someone, if if you had someone of uh, some influence or affluence in your house. And so there may have been a number of people standing outside. Jesus is in there. Let's see what he has to say. Let's see what Simon has to say. They've been arguing. The Pharisees don't like him, and let's see how Jesus puts them down, puts down Simon the way he does the arguments of the other people. We don't know. Maybe it was the testimony of other people that brought this woman to want to see Jesus. She knew he was there. She heard he was going to be at Simon's house. And maybe she had heard people talk about him. You, you've got to go hear this. If you ever have an opportunity to hear Jesus teach, you need to go. Because he speaks as one having authority. He speaks as one who understands the scriptures of the Old Testament. It's not just this, this uh, he doesn't put on a special voice when he speaks to us like the Pharisees do. He just speaks like common people. You've got to go hear him. It could have been that that drew her uh, to him. We don't know for sure. It could have been that she had already heard Jesus teaching. And she wanted to hear more of it. And, she, and maybe after her having heard him, she realized he is the one who can forgive me of my sin. He is the deliverer that was promised, and I want to get close to him. Maybe that was it. We're not sure. Maybe she had overheard something from the Pharisees themselves that drew her here. I want you to look at uh, verse 33 of the same chapter. Jesus is talking to the uh, Pharisees and the scribes at this point, and he's, he's uh, complaining to them a little bit about the, of what they've had to say about people in the past. And he says, John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking, wine and you say he had the devil there's something wrong with that man he doesn't he doesn't eat the right kind of food he doesn't drink what we think people ought to drink there's something wrong with him and then he says in verse 34 the son of man is come eating and drinking and you say behold a gluttonous man and a wine bibber yeah you complain about everyone and then at the end of verse 34 he says this is what the pharisees have been saying themselves he's a friend of publicans and sinners 
maybe this woman had heard the Pharisees. Now everyone there, the Jews, they may not, they may have observed the, how pompous the Pharisees were, but they respected them because they were people who understood the Word of God. They were people that you could trust when they talked about the Word of God. You could trust what they said. Maybe she had overheard the Pharisees themselves describe Jesus as a friend of sinners. And if she respected what they had to say, then when she knew that Jesus was in a Pharisee's house, maybe she said, if he's a friend of sinners, I am a sinner. I need to go find him. I need to make that friendship. I need to seek him. But whatever the reason, she decided he's eating at Simon's house. I need to go there. And so when she found out he would be eating there, she came seeking him. The recognition of her sin drove her to come to him, and she came uninvited to that dinner party. There was no invitation from Simon. He hadn't called her to come there. But you know what? Jesus had, didn't he? Jesus invited all sinners to come to him. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And sinners are always welcome to come to Jesus for that very same reason, aren't they? And so she felt that she was welcome to come there. So she came to Jesus. That's a portion of her faith. The second thing we see about her faith is she repented of her sin. Verse 38 says that she stood at his feet behind him weeping. Now you may know this already. Um, Forgive me if I'm telling you something you already know, but in that period of, of time, in that culture, people didn't go to a dining table like we have. Uh, most of us have a, uh, some kind of a table in our house, and it's about 30 to 32 inches off the floor. We've got chairs. We can sit comfortably or sometimes uncomfortably. But we sit and we eat, and that's not the way they did it in that culture. They would have either a very low table to the ground, or maybe just a or floor, rather, or maybe just a mat. They would recline, and we're told that they would lie on their left side traditionally, maybe have a cushion behind them, laying on that left elbow and they would just reach over into the middle and they would eat and they could see each other, their city see, uh, facing each other and their feet would be stretched out this way. Like, think kind of like a, the spokes of a wheel, the table being the, the center hub and then you got the spokes of, of people going out. This woman came in as Jesus was there eating and she stopped at his feet and we're told that she stood behind him weeping. Being a sinner in the mere presence of Jesus, the Holy Son of God, the Redeemer, the one who said he had come to seek and to save that which was lost, the gracious one, just being in his presence, being at his feet, drove her to repent, and she began to weep bitterly because of her sin. That's a sign of her faith, isn't it? She realized that she was a sinner, she came to the Savior, and she wept over her sin. Maybe we ought to ask ourselves sometimes, what effect does it have on us if we find ourselves in Jesus' presence? Do we ever cry over our or weep over our sin? Are we as sorrowful for our sin as we ought to be when we're in the presence of God? Because the scripture is very clear. When we pray, we are in the presence of God. We are in the presence of the Holy One at that point. And this is what... Uh, this is the, the experience of this woman. She came to Jesus. She repented of her sin. That's signs of her faith. The third thing that we see indicative of her faith is she demonstrated her love of her Savior. Verse 31, or 38 rather, tells us that she began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Uh, the feet of a person has always been uh, something that people want to stay away from, isn't it? For so many different reasons. But she came to the feet of Jesus. And she 
As she wept, her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them with her hair. Now, we were told that in that culture, a woman wouldn't even take her hair down in public. She would keep it up. She would keep it covered. This is a sign. And to take her hair down in the view of other people was humiliating to a woman. She humbled herself in the presence of Jesus. She went to his feet. She bowed at his feet. And she wiped the tears off of his feet with her hair. This woman couldn't have been more humiliated before her Savior. She wasn't, she wasn't, she didn't come with any pretense. She came as a sinner who was sorrowful for her sin. She's bowed at this point. She's not standing at his feet anymore. She couldn't have wiped the tears off his feet with her hair and, and still remain standing, could she? At this point, this woman is no longer standing at his feet. She's bowing at the feet of the Savior. What does that tell us? That's a position of submission, isn't it? That's a position of worship. We see that in all through Scripture. When people come into, into uh, the presence of God, the Son of God, the angels of God, they bow before them, don't they? And so she, here she is bowing before the Savior. It's been said that the, the, her kiss spoke of her, the affection of her heart, while the precious ointment poured out told of a willingness to consecrate her all to Him. This woman had this alabaster box of ointment that would not have been cheap for anyone. She brought that to him. She opened that uh, box of ointment or that container of ointment and she poured it on his feet, continuing, I'm sure, to wipe that with her hair. The cost of that uh, ointment, though it must have been significant, to her it paled in comparison to the debt of her sin. And she was willing to give that. If she was willing to give something that costly to Jesus, even to just put it on his feet, it's an indication that she was willing to give him anything she had, everything that she had. She was willing to give herself to him. Hers was a living faith because she was willing to give everything to the Lord at that point. And that's what we've been, we've seen that in, in the book of James, uh, that living faith is demonstrated. And so that's what she's doing. She's demonstrating her faith. So we've talked about her condition. She was a sinner. We've talked about her faith. Now let's look about her acceptance because Jesus accepted her. First thing we see is that she was approved. I want to reread starting in verse 44. It says, And he, that is Jesus, turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Simon the Pharisee, had uh, he rejected this woman, essentially calling her untouchable. Because if you look at verse, uh, again at verse 39, as he thought in his heart, he said, If this man was really a prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is that touches him. He's a sinner. And so in the mind of, of, of Simon, you, he shouldn't even touch her. He shouldn't be in her presence. He shouldn't allow her here. So this was an untouchable sinner in the eyes of, of Simon. And Jesus accepted her because why? <clears throat> Unacceptable sinners are the people he came to save, isn't it? Um, acceptable people didn't need a Savior or wouldn't have needed a Savior, were they? Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he addressed uh, Simon specifically here, describing that woman's humility as she demonstrated her love to him. And he declared to Simon her sins, which are many, they are many, 
they're forgiven. Imagine that in verse 47. Imagine hearing that if you were that woman. Imagine the other people sitting at the table with Jesus or the people standing out in the street trying to, to hear what was going on in there. To hear her sins. Yes, there are many, but they're forgiven. He said those words specifically to Simon, but that woman heard those words too. Because Jesus was looking at her when He said those words. She heard Him say that she had been forgiven. Her sins were forgiven. She heard loud and clear that Jesus, the Savior that she sought, had accepted her. Can anything be better than that, really? Could it? She, the untouchable sinner, had been accepted by the one person who could save her from that sin, who could pay that sin debt. She had been accepted by the Lord of glory. Can you imagine? This woman who had been weeping over her sin, I would think at that point, maybe that if, they, if she was still crying, it was tears of joy at that point, wouldn't it be? She's been accepted by the Lord. So she was approved. And we see also she was forgiven. Verse 48 again. This, this time Jesus, not talking to Simon, He looked at her and He said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. Now it's one thing for that woman to hear Him say that to Simon. That would have been good news. It would have, it would have lifted her heart. But when He looked her in the eye and said, your, your sins are forgiven. That's a little more personal, isn't it? This is uh, quite another thing. She had been forgiven much. And so she loved much. I can imagine that woman went out of that place that day with a, with a greater love for Jesus than she'd ever had for anyone else because He had accepted her. Now, we read here in these verses that when Jesus got to Simon's house, so He had been invited by Simon, Simon was, uh, his reception of Jesus was a bit cold, wasn't it? It was traditional for people when, if, if they got, had a guest come, especially if it was an esteemed guest, that they would give them water to wash their feet. They'd give them a towel. They might even have a servant come and wash their feet for them, get the dust off their feet from um, where they've been wearing the sandals and walking through the dusty streets. And they would offer that courtesy to them. Simon didn't do that for Jesus. They would, uh, he said, uh, it was customary for them to kiss each other on, on either cheek. You see that in movies and such things. Some cultures still do it. Simon didn't do that. He didn't do any of that stuff. He didn't give him oil to anoint his head as was also the custom in those days. He said, none of that happened. So Simon, he, um, he was largely unwelcoming and he certainly wasn't seeking forgiveness from Jesus, was he? He certainly wasn't seeking Jesus' favor. It was just, oh, I'd really like you to come to, to eat with me today. Well, okay, I'll come. But I'm going to snub you when you get here. I'm not going to treat you like a guest. Well, come on in and you know have something to eat. He snubbed him, didn't he? But she had come with tears of repentance. She had come seeking Jesus because she wanted to be in his presence. It wasn't that Simon may have invited him just for some level of prestige, just so he could have the great teacher come in. She came because she really wanted to see Jesus. She came to the one who could save her. And she came with an attitude of humble yielding to and worship of the Son of God. That's a, that's a completely different attitude, isn't it, that she brought. Isaiah 1 and verse 18, it told generations of people, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This woman had come to Jesus that day with enough sin that it was, it was the purest, reddest, scarlet or crimson you can ever imagine. She was stained with sin. And she would be leaving that day having been washed 
as white as fresh fallen snow. It's quite a difference, isn't it? Uh, we have a friend, and he used to say often when he was teaching Sunday school or whatever, he said, if that door lights your fire, your wood's wet. And I'm going to tell you what, the knowledge that this woman came with those, skin, those sins as red, as dark as scarlet, or crimson, and they left as white as snow, that ought to light your fire, shouldn't it? it ought to, she, I'm sure she left that day rejoicing. It ought to be an encouragement to anyone who, wanted, who wants to be delivered from their sin that Jesus will do that for us. He will cleanse us as white as snow. So, she was approved, she was forgiven, she was assured lest there be any doubts in her mind. She's, she's heard Jesus say, this woman, though her sins are many, they're forgiven. Jesus has looked right at her and says her sins are forgiven. But lest there be any doubts about it, he followed up and he told her in verse 50, thy faith hath made thee whole. Or thy faith, rather, hath saved thee. Her faith in Jesus is what saved her. Not the faith itself. She could have had faith in a doorpost, and that wouldn't have done her any good. She had faith in the Son of God who could save her, and that has uh, saved her. In repentance, she turned from her sin to a waiting Savior. And that's what any lost sinner needs to do, isn't it? In faith, she trusted Jesus for forgiveness and pardon, and He followed through. And He accepted her, and He gave that forgiveness and that pardon that she needed. And He demonstrated for her the truth that Paul expresses in Ephesians 2.8. By grace was she saved through faith, and that not of herself. It was a gift of God. He, he granted her forgiveness. So she was approved by Jesus. She was forgiven. She was assured. And then we're told that she was sent away with the peace of God. We see that in verse 50. Jesus told her, go in peace. You don't have to worry about your sin anymore. You're not, you don't have to be bothered by that. You don't have to be bothered with the fact that you're carrying around that load, that debt of sin anymore. Paul referred to that in Philippians 4.7 as the peace of God which passeth all understanding. There's no way any of us can fully explain that peace of God that comes from knowing that our sins have been forgiven by the Lord. She didn't have any further need to dread that. Her salvation was full, her salvation was free, and her salvation was final. And that no one was ever going to come to her with that sin debt again. Now, I believe, uh, I truly believe on the, the authority of Scripture that Satan... Uh, stands before God and he accuses Christians, people who have been saved, he accuses them of sin. And Scripture says that Jesus is our mediator, that he ever lives to make intercession for us. And Satan can, can be there. We don't know what this woman's name was. And because she's nameless, she could represent any one of us, couldn't she? I believe that Satan can still be in the, in the presence of God accusing this woman to this day of all that sin. Look, Jesus himself said, her sins were many, and Jesus is sitting right there by the hand, right hand of God saying, I paid the debt for that sin. And Satan has no leg to stand on when he accuses. Isn't that good news? And he has Jesus sins there for the same reason for any of us. When Satan accuses us of sin, if we've trusted him as our Savior, Jesus says, I paid the debt for that. I paid the price for that sin. You can't hold that to their account any longer. That is good news, isn't it? It wasn't the woman's tears. It wasn't her kisses. It wasn't the fact that she donated some costly ointment uh, for Jesus that day. That's not what saved her. It was her faith in the Lord Jesus. That's what saved her. The only one who can save. And the confirmation of that salvation was what? His Word. He gave her His Word. Your sins are forgiven. He gave her His Word. 
your faith has saved you. It's the Word of God that gives any of us that confirmation, isn't it? I want to read you some verses. First, uh, John verses five or chapter five, verses eleven through thirteen. Read like this. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He hath, he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that ye have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. The Word of God teaches us very clearly. If we put our, our faith in Jesus Christ, we trust Him as our Savior. We trust nothing else, only Him. The Word of God says at that point we have eternal life. We're not waiting for it. We have it. And that's why Paul could say, if, if I stop breathing right now, I will immediately go into the presence of the Lord as a Christian. Isn't that good news to have? Amen. We have eternal life. And it is the Word of God that gives us that, that confirmation, just like it was the Word of the Son of God that gave that woman that day the confirmation. Jesus still saves repentant sinners. And He still sends them away with the peace of God. That is good news, isn't it? So this morning as we... As I close, I'm just going to ask you two questions. One, or one question actually, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? And if the answer is today is yes, if you can answer that, then you have that peace that passes all understanding, don't you? And if the answer is no, I would say make that a priority. Don't leave here without Jesus Christ. Don't hesitate. Don't procrastinate because I think that we would all have to agree eternity is marching closer and closer to us, isn't it? We have heard way too many stories recently uh, of people who have left this world. It just seems like, um, Robin and I, just people that we are aware of, people that we know, there have been so many deaths just recently. It's enough to remind anyone that eternity is, is so close. And so if, if, you, if you've never trusted Christ, do that now. Don't, don't, let, don't wait. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for... Uh, allowing us to look at this passage of Scripture. We, we don't know what this woman's name was. But we simply know that she was a sinner. Uh, she was one who had sinned much. She was one a Pharisee considered an untouchable sinner. She saw herself in that light of, uh, as well, apparently. She came weeping over her sin. She came to the feet of Jesus. She bowed at His feet. And she left there justified because she had put her faith in the only one who could save her. And it was Jesus' word himself who said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the, the word of God that tells us that if we put our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ, we can come away as being saved as well. We can go with the peace of God as well. Father, I don't know anyone's spiritual condition. If there's anyone here who's never trusted Christ, I pray this would be the day that you would grip their heart that you would uh, bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If, the, if everyone here today has been saved, we can rejoice together that we have that peace of God. We have the Word of God that we've been redeemed. We've been born again into your family. As we close now, Father, we pray that uh, you bless the, the singing. Uh, may it uh, continue to glorify you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.